This is the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the NRL Fantasy Podcast. The NRL takes a break this week, but classic must go on and so must the podcast. I'm Andrew Bryan, joined in the studio this week by Adrian McMurray and Dom Brock. You can follow us on Twitter at AndrewBryan321, at Adrian McMurray and at Dom, Dom underscore Brock. Use the hashtag NRL Fantasy to get involved. Boys, it was a bit of a horror week in fantasy. Lots of injuries, lots of HIA, uh, trades at a premium coming into the origin time. Yeah, it was a bit of a disaster for most of us, I think. So many stars went down with injuries, as you say. Um, a few really low scores. We'll get to that later, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, so if you battled through and um, managed to get a half-decent score, you did well. I think I managed to avoid most of the uh, HIA-affected players, yeah. uh, but still a few were subpar, so I wasn't completely out of the woods. And how many trades do we have left, boys? Because coming up to the bye weeks, this is now, if you're playing for overall, this is now when you've got to start conserving trades and start looking at that first bye week. Yeah, I think I'm on around 25, I think, uh, to go. So I'll be looking to probably use all three um, ahead of the uh, the major buy rounds and, and really start... Looking ahead to those. Done better than me. I think I've got 22 or 23, but the team's looking pretty set. So, yeah, we'll just have to manage it in the next few weeks. All right, let's get to the good news first. And Trent Marin, we've been talking about him a lot. CK's been holding him all this time. He finally had a big try against the Broncos, scored 77. Has he bottomed out? And can we expect bigger scores from Marin? He's in the test match. Will that help him with his form, do you reckon, long Yeah, it was probably the one really... You know, the one real good news story of the round was Trent Marin finally bouncing back and showing what he can do. Um, yeah, so it looks like he's bottomed out. Um, what's his mm. price now? He's 387 now, yes. so with a score of 77, he's starting to come back up. Yeah, so it really depends what his scores are going to do from here on in. So as we know, as we've talked about a lot, that's his one good score for the last, what, three, <laughs> four, five weeks. Um, yeah, so... You know, he's obviously capable of doing that. He won't do 77 every week, but he can average 50, 55. If he does that, then, you know, he's great value right now. It's just, it's probably still a bit of a gamble to pick him up now based on what he's done before last week, but, you know. I think what was promising was that his score, uh, a lot of it came from base stats as well. I think yep. around 50 points in base stats and it really boosted by that try. Um, but it was a great moment. Uh, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but we do talk outside of the podcast <laughs> as well. And in, in our group chat, uh, you know, CK was loving life with Merrin's, uh, Merrin's try there. So I think he's looking like a pretty popular buy. We've got a few questions coming up later on of Merrin, and, and he looks like he has really bottomed out. It does at least show that it can be worth in the long run keeping faith with these guys who yep. struggle for a few weeks. Uh, if you hold on to them, they can come good. So. A bit of a lesson in general, I think, for fantasy. All right. Another p- player who scored really well last week was Will Hopawade, 79. Uh, he's 385,000, but he was everywhere against the Raiders, and he ran just a lazy 308 metres, if you don't mind. That's incredible. Uh, he, I think we picked him. He, he was a popular buy a couple of years ago when he came back with Parramatta as a cash cow, and then he's sort of been sort of a mid-range scorer since yeah. then. Um, but this was really out of nowhere. You know, he wasn't guaranteed to play that game, but he was a late inclusion. And um, I had him in my draft team as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't play him, but it's good to see, you know, perseverance has paid off there. Um, I don't know if I'd be, you know, like rushing to get him just to, based off this one score alone. Yeah, that's, that one score was so out of the blue that it's hard to know, you know, how common that's going to be. But he played so well that he could easily do that again. So, yeah, again, I wouldn't rush into him to buy him. Um, but he could be one of the keepers. If he can average 40 to 50, then, you know, he's a star. 
from a one-off score to someone who just keeps pumping out the big scores. Paul Gallon, 70, 543 grand, averaging 58 this year. Is there a worry with Gallon? He's left the rep door open for Laurie Daly. <laughs> He's captaining City uh, this weekend on Sunday in Mudgee, and uh, he has left the door open. I mean, he took a dive, and he's saying he didn't take a dive, but uh, in fantasy land... Uh, Gallon just keeps pumping out the big numbers. Yeah, he's a gun. He's always he's always been great in fantasy. Um, yeah, the rep retirement thing, is it just because Origin's getting close and now he's getting itchy and wants to get back into I it? I think so. Yeah, I mean, you'd still think he probably won't play. Aaron Woods is maybe missing mm. Origin 1, possibly Origin 2. And, I mean, How I, much does that, the, the SOS, we've seen it so often exactly. in Origin, calling back Freddie Fitler, calling back Langer. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a, just a sneaking suspicion with Woods out. I mean, who else? Like New South Wales have some forwards. There's no doubt about that. But Gallon's playing really well. He hasn't dropped off at all. If yeah. Laurie picks up the phone, I don't think Gallon will be turning it down. Yeah, I was, well, I was looking at his scores thinking, this is incredible. He's not playing 80 minutes every week, but he's still pumping out these monster scores. Yeah. Um, his form's been you know, unbelievable. But now I'm sort of a little concerned that that, <laughs> that could happen, uh, as unlikely as it is. But it's still a possibility. So, and his price at the moment, he's still quite quite expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, the not playing eighty minutes thing. He did that last year, I think. I think he's been hitting big scores without playing the full eighty for a while. Um, yeah, I think the fact that he's not he's not cheap means, you know, he's a gun to pick up at any time in the year. So you can afford to wait until Origin started or Origin's finished. I mean, you could even see a situation where he he misses the first game. And then it's one-one going in the decider, and there's an injury for the Blues. He could come back then, <laughs> so I'd almost wait until Origins finish and then pick him up then. Yeah, I don't know. good for the run home at least. Yeah, exactly. All right, a player who's made a lot of money, uh, scored four tries on the weekend. Akuyuate, he pretty much just had to fall over the line because of how well Dylan Walker played, and we'll get to Dylan Walker a bit later on. But Akuyuate, he's made almost 150 grand, probably a bit more than that, uh, and he's playing really well for Manly. He is, yeah. So a uh, great uh, reward for those coaches that started with him at the start of the year. We were talking about this before, Dom. You know, you were put off at the start of the year because of his, his price and it sort of seemed like he was a bit more expensive than he actually was in the big big yep. scheme of things. Um, he scored four tries, but only, I mean, that sounds a bit silly, but only scoring 67 when you do score four tries. He didn't really have to do a lot else, as you said, Andy, uh, to get those tries. Um, so... Yeah, great score, but... Cons- yeah, I mean, considering he was a cash cow at the start of the year, and he's still not really a keeper, um, but that, that score is awesome this far into the season and just keeps keeps going up. If Dylan Walker keeps playing the way he's playing, yeah. then Uate might just keep pumping out some bigger scores. But uh, looking at some of the other players that did well in the round, Fafita scored 64, Martin Tapao 64, uh, both forwards really crucial to their teams. Tapao was an offloading machine against South Sydney. Uh, really looks a difference when he's in the team. When he's not injured or suspended, he makes a massive difference at Manly. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, last couple of rounds since uh, coming back from, uh, was it a suspension or injury? Uh, he had a rib uh, injury. Suspended, then had that rib <laughs> injury for a week. Easy to get confused. Uh, yeah, so he's been really good. Um, he usually scores around 50, so he's been a bit above average. Um, Fafita still probably hasn't hit top form, but is hitting 50s and 60s in fantasy, which shows how good he can be. 
Yeah, and Jake Trebojevic uh, scored another 60. Tom Trebojevic scored another 60. Josh Maguire, 60. Um, these are the sort of guys, Ryan James, 61, that we get a lot of questions about when they hit their mid-40s to high-40s and people want to trade them out. It just goes to show these guys are keepers and their potential is to score those 50 to 60s. Like a 45 isn't a bad score in a round. That's right, yeah. we, uh, You know, even I get frustrated and we, we all get frustrated when we see that low score after the weekend, bit of trade rage look to try and get them out, but then we realise, hang on, these guys will come good and, and could come good as early as the following week. So it's good to see them uh, scoring well in, in a lot of teams. And, um, you know, Nathan Brown, someone that a lot of, I think you guys have both picked him up in the yep. in the past few weeks and, and he's doing really well and looking like a great option for, for buy coverage as well. So Nathan Brown, you mentioned him, scored 60, just gets through a lot of work for Parramatta. And with the buyer schedule, he's going to play in those major buy rounds as well. And I think you've talked about him before, Dom, but he looks like one of the guys that you should be looking to bring in if you're playing for overall because his price is still reasonable and he's pumping out big scores and his price is still rising. Yeah, he's super consistent and, as you say, plays in all those three major buy rounds. His his minutes have probably been inflated a bit in the last few weeks with few injuries here and there in the Eels uh, forwards, but even in 50 or 60 minutes, he gets through a, a ton of work. So, um, yeah, looks like a really solid buy. Cash cow. Right, let's look at some cash cows now, and there's no one that really stands out, but Jared Hayne, 237,000, scored 48 on the weekend with two tries. I was, we were messaging, and I was saying... They've forgotten that Haynes on the left. They, Nathan Peets keeps starting out of dummy half and going right. And no sooner had a message, you boys, uh, he gets a penalty tap, scores straight away. Uh, pretty good performance from him in the end, but the Titans still need to find a way to get him more involved. I think his second try, he came around the right on a set move. So he was out of position uh, to demand the ball and score that important try yeah. for the Titans. We, but Yeah, we, we talked about him last week as a, as a good option. Um, the interesting thing was the late positional switch for the Titans. So they brought LG, who was initially named on the bench, uh, back into the starting side in the halves, uh, moving uh, Tyrone Roberts back to fullback and Hayne to centre to get all those guys and Ash Taylor on the field at the same time, um, which, yeah, initially was not a good sign for Hayne. Like playing in the centres, as, as you say, he's not going to get the ball that often, as much as he does at, at fullback. He managed to get two tries anyway and a good score, uh, yeah, you figure he's not going to stay in the centres? I don't know. If he stays in the centres, then... He's a risk. Yeah, it hurts him a bit. He's still undervalued, but he won't be as as big a scorer as if he goes back to fullback. The problem for the Titans is, I think Neil Henry realised he needed to find a spot for Tyron Roberts, who's been, he's been electric. Great. Yeah, he's been yeah. outstanding. Um, and also, you know, Ash Taylor and Kane LG, those guys are the, you know, they're the future of the, the Titans and their halves moving forward. So I guess Hayne was the, the guy to move into the centres. He can still get into those positions when they're, you know, when they've got an attacking set. He can still get into those spots as sort of a, a pseudo fullback, if you like, and, and run those lines and, you know, still score tries as if he was playing fullback. Um, but it certainly does, you know, dent his appeal in terms of um, kick returns and, and that yeah. sort of thing. And As we've seen elsewhere, good centres can get bad scores if they don't get much of the ball that we'll probably talk about a bit later. We'll we'll talk about that a bit (laughs) later. But uh, the other one, just quickly on that, was LG was named on the bench. So a lot of, we got a lot of questions on social media in particular, and we were all adamant that it was time to tell LG. There was a late positional switch, and he got one of his best scores (laughs) of the year, which at the time we were giving the advice, we didn't know an hour before kickoff that all these positional switches were going to happen. And then he was actually going to have one of his better games with not as many tackles. 
Yeah, I think it was easily his best game of the year. I mean, it was against Newcastle, so not the toughest of opponents. He got a try again, I think, and yep. a bunch of tackle breaks by his standards. 40 points, amazingly, for Kane LG. He's gone nowhere near that this season. Um, yeah, so if you've kept him, he'll make a bit more money. I mean, he's he's still a sell eventually. He's, he's you know, a very slow-moving cash cow. Um, but it looks like... He's, I don't know, going to keep that. Continents move up. quicker than him in cash cows firms. <laughs> but, uh, Sam Stone, uh, 282,000 playing at the Knights, a break even of minus two, back to back 50s. He's made 144,000 and he's still very affordable if you're looking for a mid range cash cow to help boost your team. Yeah, so pretty much exactly what we said last week. Um, he's got a good chance of keeping that starting spot for a while now with both Bureau and Barnett injured at Newcastle. Um, and saying that the Knights move their forwards around every week. Mm. Um, they did again with uh, Yates, Yates, dropping back to the bench yeah. this week. Um, Stone did get a try on the weekend, which boosted his score. He won't get that uh, most weeks. So, yeah, if you've got him, great. If not, he's still, as you say, cheaper than he should be. So um, pretty good value, just not as good as he was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, his you know his price is only going up, so you're really missing out on those initial jumps. And you know, I wouldn't say he's a he's an urgent pickup, but yeah, good, it's, good it's on only those. if you really want, you're really desperate for some more cash, and you're happy to spend two trades to get it. Yeah, and one that's probably not a rush to to bring in, but Adrian, you wanted to bring this one up. Uh, Chance Nickel Clockstad. 144,000. Uh, he looked solid for the Warriors. Scored 23 uh, in a game against the Roosters that ended in dramatic circumstances. They peppered him with high balls. And uh, the coach after the game, Steve Kearney, was saying in the last 20 minutes, he actually got more involved, which was a positive sign because a lot of kids coming in in a game of that magnitude with the game on the line would sort of go into their shell. They targeted him with bombs. He was catching everything. He was getting in and actually going, looking for work towards the end of the game. Uh, he only scored 23, but if you're looking for a cheap sort of option, he looked pretty solid in a game that was pretty stifled in the middle. Yeah, that's right. He There was a lot of talk. Um, I think the Warriors team came out on the Thursday afternoon close to yep. lockout, the, yep. the first lockout, and a lot of people got excited because, hey, We've got a, a cash cow bargain basement price. He's dual position, half and wing fullback. Um, I can finally cash out Kane LG. I can finally get rid of this guy. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's plenty of talk. A few people got him in. Um, as you sort of said, Andy, he looked pretty solid. Um, score wasn't amazing. Job security remains a concern. Uh, we don't know what the go is with Manu Vadavai. He is playing for Tonga this week. Um, so he's fit but as as to what you know Stephen Kearney wants to do moving forward whether they you know this Nickel Klockstad was the their um, reserve intra super premiership player of the year last year mm-hmm. um, he's come through the system at the storm he could you know he looked solid against the roosters so he could really um, nail down that spot on the wing for the Warriors having said that we have seen with Ken Marmalo that Warriors wingers or wingers in general you know you can't bank on them to score well and they've got, is Cutter injured? He could come back as well and a reshuffle there could bump him out. They've got two lower here playing reserves as well. So there's a lot of options if they want to make changes. But as you say, Stephen Kearney's probably, you know, he's a new coach looking for the future. He might keep the faith. And but, the Warriors are playing well. They they looked yeah. good against the Storm and probably would have beaten most teams on Anzac Day when they lost to the Storm, uh, beat the Roosters. And they're starting to look good with that, obviously, the, the Kiwi spine. Uh, they're playing a lot straighter, they're playing a lot tougher, and more importantly in defence, they're really working for each other and stopping tries where um, the, the RTS play where he's 
two try savers in one play. It was four on one and Rogers saved it or the Roosters bombed it. Either way, um, they're looking really good. And uh, in a fantasy term, if they're playing well, then he might get that job security if they're in a winning team. Yeah, and at the very least, he's so cheap that there's not a lot to lose getting him in. Um, yeah. Worst thing, worst case scenario, he doesn't play. just takes up a spot on your, on your bench, but it gives you a good cash out if you're selling a mid-ranger. Let's go to the flops now. And there were a lot of low scores across the week. There was a lot of HIAs and things like that. But let's start on a somewhat positive news for this podcast, at least. Mitchell Orbison. <laughs> the Mitchell Orbison rule. We've banged on about it and we looked like we'd gotten it wrong this year. Every other year, he's always a risk because of his great versatility as a player. He can play anywhere. Uh, there was a late switch for the Roosters and he was named on the bench. I don't think he played at all in the first half. I could be wrong there, but he came on the second, scored only 21. Um, what, what do we think about the Mitchell Orbison rule? I, I was, <laughs> it's one of the positives for me of the week. Nothing against Mitch Orbison. He's a great player, but in fantasy, he's always burnt me every time. Uh, Adrian, what, what were your thoughts there? Well, as we've always sort of said, his versatility is what kills him in, in fantasy terms. So he only played 32 minutes off the bench, um, which, you know, really he needs to be playing 80 to, to hit those big scores. Um, it was looking... It was looking bad for us, I guess, <laughs> earlier in the season. Us non-Mitch Orbison owners. That's right, yes. The the Mitchell Orbison owners were loving life, especially if you had him in your centres. How good's that? Um, but yeah, Taukaho's return has sort of forced that reshuffle and um, Orbison looks from here on out, well, we don't know what the team's going to be in round 10, but, uh, you know, the, the Roosters look all right with him coming off the bench. It makes sense. Yeah, um, he can slide in anywhere in the back line if there's an injury or in the back row. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate for the 5,500 people who have him because he had been scoring really well this year. Um, he'd been playing great. Um, it looked like this could finally be the year that, you know, the Orbison rule <laughs> was uh, shattered. shattered, but no, it wasn't the case. So 20 points could become the norm if he stays on the bench. All right, uh, some other low scores. Josh Reynolds, 12. Aaron Wood, 17. Both went off. Uh, they've both been in the news a lot lately, but both went off injured and didn't come back. Uh, Woods, we're not sure, but the rumour is he's going to miss Origin 1 at least and possibly a bit longer. And then Christian Welch, who was a mid-range sort of player, doing a good job at Melbourne, did his ACL and only scored two. Yeah, he could be out for possibly the season. season. Mm. Um, so, yeah, sell yeah. if you've got him. Yeah, and it doesn't really affect things from a fantasy perspective. A, you know, a cheap guy might come onto the bench, but you really wouldn't want to be looking to invest in him, I would imagine. What about James Graham, nine? Jared Wallace, you were saying before we uh, got on air, Don, that he was one of the most traded out players. Uh, he got uh, HIA just before halftime, scored 19 and didn't return. James Graham, similar, scored nine. Uh, and James Tedesco, 25, thanks to that uh, gallon dive, sort of <laughs> got a try robbed off him, which would have hurt, and he didn't return either. So there's three guns um, that everyone has been yeah. have been banking really big scores who all went off and didn't come back. Yeah, and a lot of people, myself included, would have had all three of those guys in their team, which is a disaster. But, I mean, the good news is none of them are long-term. They're all concussions, but with a week off this week, um, they'll all be fit to play next round in a couple well, of weeks. Well, now. Graham's going to be playing, so he's passed his uh, follow-up yeah. cognitive test and going to be playing for England on the weekend, so hopefully he comes through that unscathed if you've got him in uh, fantasy. Paul Vaughan, another one, 26, uh, and Angus Crichton. He wasn't injured but only scored 29 after a bank of a whole heap of high scores, but in a game against Manly where 
um, there wasn't much going right for South Sydney. No, there wasn't, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I think Crichton, it's funny, we're sort of used to seeing him score so well now that it seems bizarre that he would score in the 20s or close to 30 when that's fine. For, yeah, for a rookie playing. <laughs> exactly. Sports, yeah. um, so, and, he, you know, he's still got a low break even, so he should still be fine for the coming weeks at least. Um, whether he, you know, we got a few questions, I think, last week as to whether he's a keeper now, whether people should be buying him as a keeper, um, whether that changes now because his role might have shifted, we don't know, but if you've got him, just hold, wait, yeah. wait and see what happens. Yeah, that kind of score is, is bad news for those who picked him up last week because he's not that cheap anymore and they probably are hoping he's a keeper. The guys who picked him up, well, people who picked him up three or four weeks ago, it doesn't matter, he's still making money, so... Right, let's race through a couple of these low scores. Uh, Jalen Feeney, uh, we talked about LG before. He was a popular trade-in, but he scored only five points. Uh, Lewis Brown, nine. Cooper Cronk, 10 with a sin bin, which hurt my draft team. Uh, and Jordan Rapata, 12. And Frank Winterstein, only 13. But Feeney was a popular trade-in or just the cash out, uh, whatever money LG made, but probably showed why he was at his <laughs> price. Yeah, apparently he had 13 points at half time, which, you know, is not great. So he played an extra 40 minutes and then finished and on backwards. five. Yeah, yes. a lot of missed tackles in the second half. <laughs> so, you know, we knew he wasn't a great scorer. He proved again he's not a great scorer. Um, still, if you bought him, you're not really buying him for his points right now. You bought, it, you bought him because he's really cheap. He might make money. And he could still do that. If he gets... Another 13 in the first half and one in the second half next game. That's mid-20s. Does that every week. He'll, he'll make a bundle of cash. So, yeah. No, don't, don't think it's worth panicking yet if you did buy him. If you didn't buy him, you know, there were better options. Yeah. Well, I think the best-case scenario now is whatever, uh, if whatever major buy round the Knights play and hopefully he plays and then, uh, you know, Hodkinson or someone else comes back in so he's not an auto-emergency risk down the line. Yeah. And hope he starts scoring more than five points a game. All right, now the, <laughs> the elephant in the room. Uh, Joey Leilua scored four for the Raiders. Now, full disclosure, I traded him in last week, so I was very disappointed with that. Oh, that four, he, he had back-to-back 60s coming into um, the, the next two weeks, and he hasn't scored well. But uh, fellow podcaster Chris Kennedy, uh, I just want to analyse his trade. Um, so he traded Dylan Walker out to Joseph Leilua two weeks ago. And on the surface, it looked like a decent trade. Uh, Walker was 338000 off the back of two sort of 30s and wasn't going anywhere. Leilua, as I'd mentioned, had scored two 60s in a row. Uh, looked to have bottomed out at 361. So he cost CK about thirty grand to upgrade Taylor to Leilua, who looked like an absolute gun in the centre. Since then, Walker has scored 56 and 84, has gone up $55,000 in value. Uh, at the same time, Leilua has scored 14 and 4 and has dropped 32,000. So after just two weeks, uh, CK has a net loss of 122 fantasy points. Uh, to add insult to that, he's lost 32K on Leilua, but overall it's a staggering swing of $87,000 on one trade in just two weeks. Talk about your worst trades in fantasy and your horror stories. It doesn't get much worse than that. And he's that. not even here to defend himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is rough. That's about as bad as it gets, yeah. isn't it? Um, well, the thing was, we I think we talked about it that week when Canberra coming up against a dodgy manly defence that had just leaked a whole heap of points down their left side and we thought, oh, Leilua, Rapana, they're going to go nuts. And it didn't really work out that way as we saw in the nation's capital that week. Uh, but yeah, a really 
really sort of, it's something you can't really predict. It's just unlucky. Yeah. Walker's been in great form just the last two weeks. And Leilua, I mean, on the weekend, Leilua was pretty terrible. He was giving me flashbacks to his old Knights days when he did that every second or week. Or even at the Roosters before uh, yeah, exactly. that when no one knew that he was this. So uh, you were talking about it before, like Leilua last year, he was unstoppable, Rapana the same. Was it a one, like yeah. he did it the whole season though, which wasn't like just a string sure. of games, Jared Haynes style, like for the Eels back on that run. He did it all year and just, but defensively he looked lost yeah, and looks the, down on confidence. I think the common wisdom is or was that Leilua has been improving steadily in the last year was, you know, his big season, he's, you know, developed as a player. He's now origin quality kind of player. But I don't know if you have to reevaluate that and think, Maybe last year was his one-off dream season and he's still a hit-and-miss player that he used to be. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think we always expect him to score the occasional bad score, but they are sort of piling up a little bit. So it is a, a little worrying. Um, I, I think he's got a, a relatively high break even this week. About 65, somewhere around that range, which he could easily hit. But Exactly. Yeah, if, if he's in your team, I wouldn't panic because there's no real consistent centers this year i think like trading leilua out now is kind of like trading out uh walker two weeks ago and yep. as we've seen you know anyone can can go big on their day so yeah i think you just kind of have to cop it for now and yeah centers all kind of score like averaging 30s to mid to high 40s for the most part um so i think you just take you know ride the good with the bad and I guess it shows, like, you, you you look at all the stats, you do all your reasoning, like he was going to play Manly, he's going to play the Dogs, he's going to take Knights, you're looking at these next three weeks going, he's got to keep scoring, and no matter how much you rationalise the trade, it can just go wrong. Uh, Walker's projected to make another 37, and uh, Leilua's projected to lose about the same, but we hope, I hope, I've got Leilua, so... I, it's yeah, and that's short-term. So if Leilua gets back to hitting a few, you know, averaging 40s over the next month or two, then that'll all level out. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a horror trade, let us know using the hashtag NRL Fantasy Boys. What are your... Have you got any horror trades from this season you wish you could reverse? Uh, well, I, I remember... I'm speaking like it was, you know, 20 years ago or something. <laughs> uh, getting not so much a horror trade, but I got Abby in when I could have got Ponga. That, that's hurt me. Um, it made sense at the time, but now I've got a non-playing reserve who's doing nothing and Ponga's made all this cash and looks amazing. Yeah, I think, I think the same and missing Cohen Hess both oh, yeah, hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, the Ponga one made sense as well, like like the Leilua trade. He didn't have good job security, but then... Lachlan Coote got injured a second time and missed a bunch of weeks. So, yeah, good luck to those who, um, you know, picked him up at the right time. Fan questions from the hashtag, yeah. All right, you mentioned Hess, and we'll segue straight into the NRL Fantasy questions. If you've got a question, you can get us on Twitter and use the hashtag NRL Fantasy. Uh, Footy fan wants to know, uh, Hess to Marin, is that a good trade? Hess is 404,000, Marin 387. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys got opinions on this? Um, Merrin, as we've said, is a, still a little bit of a risk. Like one week doesn't change everything. He was scoring pretty badly before that. Cohen Hess has had a few quiet weeks. Um, 
it's hard to know whether this is just a form slump, whether he'll get better when Jonathan Thurston comes back. I mean, I don't. If you've had Hess from the beginning, I don't mind the trade because you've already made one hundred and fifty yeah. or one hundred sixty thousand mm. on Hess, and he was scoring tries. And a lot of those scores, as we talked about uh, in those podcasts. Uh, a lot of his high scores were thanks to breaking five or six tackles on the line and scoring. The Cowboys haven't been playing well because their spine is totally missing. Thurston comes back for the test match. But I think uh, if the Cowboys were doing well and their spine was together, I think Hess would be a keeper because uh, they'd find more ways to get him involved. But at the moment, the Cowboys look a little bit lost. And I think that might might be time to cash out Hess. Uh, he might still have a couple of big scores in him, but consistently, I think Marin's your better option. Yeah, well, maybe wait and see another week, see if Merrin, you know, can can back that, uh, what did he get, 79, 71 or 77. something? 77. 77, somewhere in there. Uh, can back that, that score up um, because he could, I think he's got to break even around 29 or something this week and he could easily, I mean, he was scoring in the 20s, yeah, the week before. Yeah, exactly. So uh, maybe maybe wait a week, but yeah, I can certainly see the the, the thinking there. All right, uh, Kiri Two Nation, who tweets in every week, is it worth burning trades to have seventeen players for round twelve, or should I scrape through with fifteen or sixteen players? Uh, there's different thoughts on yeah. this. Um, what, what do you think so, of overall? Yeah, so round twelve is the first buy round. I think scraping through is fine because um, the three major buy rounds, half the teams plus all Origin players are out of action. So it's borderline impossible, I think, to have a full 17 for all three weeks. And if you have a full 17 for round 12, then you probably will be even more short in round 15, the next buy round. So if you have a dozen players, mm. 13, 14, that's probably fine. Yeah, I think if yeah if you can get sort of a mid-teens amount of players um, across the major buy rounds, that's better than having a full 17 and then nine guys yeah exactly um yeah you got to keep in mind it's all about scoring the most number of points for your team over the whole origin period in the whole season um so more than just getting players on the field just for the sake of it okay talk about trade rage uh darren king uh sold marin to tomololo last week uh and he's already having big regrets about it uh thoughts on selling tomololo and winner sign perhaps for Maguire and whitehead I mean, it's just one week. It's one of those... A few problems with this one. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So Tom Lolo's been awesome this year. He's a keeper, for one. Uh, the second one, if, if you're regretting selling Marin because... Of the one big score. One big score. The lesson there is don't sell guys too early who might be keepers. So if you've got Tom on your team, don't sell him after one week because he might still be a keeper. So, yeah, a bit, a bit of patience, I think, pays off, you know, trade-wise in the long run. Yeah, I think get out Winterstein, though. It's probably time to shoot yeah, him on. Yeah, he's ready to be cashed out. All right, uh, Luke Huckinen wants to know, is Cody Walker a hold or a sell? He's 422000 brought him in for JT three weeks ago. Um, South's obviously belted by Manly, but Cody Walker's a guy that we're, most of us are looking to bring in at some stage because of that buyer coverage, and he's usually around that 45 to 50 and has dual position as well. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, do you Yeah, sure. <laughs> Started the year really well, um, and... It's probably actually great news. This is not really answering the question, but great news for those of us that don't have him. If his price is dropping, then he'll be a more appealing pickup in a couple of weeks. Um, but certainly, I think, especially if um, if Luke's played for overall points, then um, keep him because there's no need. Yeah, I think you have to keep him for overall. He's playing in all three buys. Um, the thing with Walker is he gets a lot of points out of attacking plays, meaning tries and tries. He's, he's got a lot of tries this year. 
So you can't do that every week. So that means you're going to get some 50s and some 30s. Um, last season he was surprisingly consistent and he can do that again this year. So I think definitely hold for overall head to head. I don't know, maybe not, but yeah. All right. The last question I wanted to get to uh, this week was from B Puck on Twitter. Uh, Thoughts on trading cash cows with bad buyers to someone with good buyer coverage, even if it means missing out on some small price rises. Uh, He's obviously playing overall. Uh, How much money do you need versus actually getting those points on the board? I think generally, if you've got cash cows in your team already, just hold them for as long as they're still making money. Most of the time, unless you bring in someone else who's going to make the same amount of money and is a keeper. But yeah, generally, yeah, I think just leave someone in there while they're bringing in cash. Yeah, exactly. Like I think a couple of weeks ago, Angus Crichton is the classic example of bringing someone in who could potentially be a keeper, is making a ton of cash, a little bit more expensive, but also has great buy coverage. So it really depends on each player's you know unique sort of situation, what team they're in, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, no need to... Um... Yeah, and just generally with rash... Tra- like we saw on the weekend, a bunch of injuries happened. Um, you know, if you can bring in someone, they can get injured straight away, and that's a real headache. Um, if you're holding someone and they get injured, you can easily trade them out. It doesn't cost you anything the next week. So I think if, if you're ever in doubt, then probably hold rather than trade. All right, boys, just quickly, uh, there's no fantasy this week, but we do have match day fantasy for the test match. Uh, You pick six players, one in each position. Your captain makes triple. Your vice captain makes double. I think there's $750 up for grabs for about two minutes' work. So it's a good introduction to fantasy if you've never played, just to sort of get your head around it. Uh, Cam Smith's pretty much a lock for the hooker role. Mm. Uh, But, boys, what are we thinking uh, for the rest of match day? Just quickly, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's tough because the Kiwis haven't named their 17 yet. They've named it alphabetically, which is a real hassle. (laughs) So it's sort of hard. I mean, you can sort of, you know, Jesse Bromwich, Jason Tamalolo, those guys we know are going to play. Um, So I'm leaning towards um, Smith, Bromwich, Tamalolo, um, and also Sean Johnson in the halves, and then a couple of kangaroos outside backs I think will do well in Blake Ferguson and Valentine Holmes. Nice, your whole team. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's so random. There's one, it's so hard to predict a one-off yeah. score for a player. So generally, I, can't, I think if you go with what you think is going to happen in the game, so you think Australia's going to win big, then you get a few Australian outside backs who might score some tries. Um, if you think it's going to be, you know... A, a low-scoring tackle fest. Well, gets last, last year's was a tackle fest. It was pretty dour for, for the most part. Um, and so I think the forwards sort of dominated that. Uh, the Kiwi spine has obviously been playing with the Warriors for a bit, so that might help them. And the stats on Kieran Foran and Sean Johnson when they play together is actually, I think they've got three wins and two losses against Australia. Yeah, so, so could happen. Um, yeah, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is um, not to stay too predictable with your team. I think it feels like one or two really random-looking guys get big scores in these one-off games, so take a gamble on... And if you want to win, you're going to have to take a gamble somewhere and try to have a point of difference, which everyone really wants in Classic, but it's more important on match day, I would say, when there's only six players in the team and you're trying to beat everyone else. Definitely, yeah. Um, Yeah, and everyone should, you know... If you've signed up Defenders here already, you play this for free, you can... Win some easy money. It takes probably less than a minute to pick a team, so don't put too much thought into it. Just, uh, you know. Yeah, have some fun. Nothing to lose. It's, you know, really makes the test match a little bit more interesting as well, watching your your players and your side. 
Cool. Well, that's about full time on the episode of the NRL Fantasy Podcast. Remember to get involved. Uh, fantasy.nrl.com to play at Twitter at AndrewBrown321, Dom underscore Brock, and at Adrian McMurray. If you have a question, you can get us on the hashtag NRL Fantasy. Uh, enjoy the rep weekend, and apologies, as always, to Mitch Orbison. For your chance at $350,000 in cash and prizes, head to fantasy.nrl.com and register your team today. You've been listening to the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast.